episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing pretty well, Jody. I am doing pretty well. I got no complaints. Everything's going all right. How about you? Well, I, I feel like, you know, I'm doing well, too, and we just had a nice good laugh just before we hit the record button on something That's we shall remain day. nameless and undiscussed on the actual podcast. That would be a completely different podcast. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, really affect recording at all, would it? No, I can't even tie that in in a way that it's <laughs> no, going to work. No way so. to tie it in. Although Let, in, a way, that, in a way, it kind of relates to preamps in a sense because preamps. Yeah, I see make, where you're going. <laughs> you see where yeah, I'm going with yeah. that? All right. I uh, see where you're going with this. <laughs> and uh, I think that's about as close that's as we're going to get to exactly. a comparison. So today's episode. Yes. Today's episode is about preamps and it is a listener request from, and I want to say this correctly, pardon me if I don't, but Ignacio Pintabona. And I did just it seems like it needs to come off the, the tongue that way with the pintabona, because I believe he's from Italy. And Ignacio asks for advice on what kind of preamp would be best for someone that records at home and only needs one channel or possibly two. Then I went on to ask if he would benefit from getting a lunchbox type of preamp or if he wanted no more than two channels, would it make sense to just get a rack style preamp? And that is our subject today. Thank you, Ignacio. There's a lot to sort of unpack there and a lot of questions that I feel like I need to ask. But since we can't necessarily directly do that, we will try to answer them as best as we can, I suppose. Okay. Well, um, let me let me further define a little bit more what he said. He said he's definitely not looking to record drums, for instance, mm -hmm. and that he's primarily going to be recording some vocals, some synths, some bass, and might send a guitar into like a Kemper or a Fractal and then output all that through a preamp and then into his DAW. Mm. Okay. Off the top of my head, I, I would definitely not encourage putting any kind of preamp signal on your guitar before hitting any amp sim or a Kemper simply because those pieces well, no, of no, no, gear no 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 you I, okay. you got that backwards so I got he it backwards? says yes he his, he's not running the preamp into the amp modeler he's running the amp modeler into the preamp that's okay, that's, that's well, what he was asking so oh okay so well, first still, off why don't we just kind of say what are the reasons for using a preamp well to me there's Two reasons why you might do that, mm -hmm. right? The, the, the overall reason would be obviously to get a healthy signal out of a microphone before it hits your recorded medium. Right. So that you can adjust the gain there. That comes with two different parts, I think, where it could be either we want something that is super transparent or something that adds some color to the signal. And it sounds to me that um, it, Ignacio is thinking about something that would add color, where it would actually be a benefit to him. Sure. That's what I'm thinking. So that, I don't know, with the whole DI thing and going into amp sims and all that, I don't see a benefit there. Well, let, uh, let me take a step back for a second and think about some of the other things that he's looking to record. Primarily, the thing I'm thinking of is the vocals. Because yes. generally speaking, vocals, you're going to start with using a microphone. And that mm -hmm. microphone then needs to go into something and then into the DAW. Or if you have a 
audio interface that allows you to plug straight into the DAW. You could go right from the mic right into the DAW through the audio interface. But for so since, which most which most interfaces do, we yes. tend to think and forget that there actually is a preamp built into all our interfaces that allows us to adjust the incoming level. Correct. Anytime that you're recording with a microphone, there is that benefit, obviously, of having a preamp. To, yes. And whether it's just for boosting in a transparent way or adding that color right. that, that can be present, then th there is definite benefit or, or probable benefit, I should say, to kind of cover my bases there. But the primary thing that you had mentioned a little bit, I think, in some of what you've mentioned before is gain staging. And with yeah. microphones and getting them into the DAW, there is a definite step need of gain staging. Sure. As for the other things that he mentions with the synthesizers and the bass and the guitars, I'm not sure if he means hardware synths or software synths. He did not specify which. And in terms of bass and guitar, it's kind of the same thing going with both of those. And yeah. generally speaking, you don't run your amp into the preamp. It's the other right. way around. You would be running the preamp into your amplifiers. And it would be the same thing with a synth, but synths have a line level coming out of them if they're hardware synths. And if they're software synths, it doesn't make as much sense to run out of your DAW into a preamp and back into the DAW for the synth. Now, can it be done? Can all of this stuff be done in any order? Sure. But we have a whole episode about gain staging that explains some of the pitfalls of doing that. And I think anytime that you're you're looking to use a preamp in this way, we would have to ask ourselves the question, well, what is it that we're trying to do with it? Mm -hmm. Are we simply trying to boost the signal or are we trying to add color? Correct. And if it is the latter, we're trying to add color, that opens up obviously a whole other you know, discussion that we'll touch on a little bit later. But I think it comes down to a little bit of the use here where it sounds like it's a little bit of a presumption that just running something through a preamp will make it better or add something to it. And I'm not sure that that's always the case. If you are, obviously, if you're doing a vocal thing, it can very, very much be so, right? We're, we're adding a certain color to, to the mic. But the benefits of using a preamp will be most prominent when you're using a microphone to record something. Yes. Does that make sense? Whether that's a vocal or you're miking up perhaps a piano or whatever it happens to be, I think that's where they will shine more than anything else as opposed to try to shoehorn them into a signal level or a signal path where they might not be intended to be placed. Sure. Does that make sense? Yep. I'm, I'm following where you're leading. What are your thoughts on the matter where, you know, where would the most benefits be in Ignacio's case here? Because we don't really know what kind of music he's doing, uh, what, what kind of material he's, he's working with apart from that. So sure. it's a little bit of hard to answer, but. One of the things that I would probably immediately kind of point out is that the phrase pre-amp. Yeah. Is Technically two words, and one of those two words kind of defines yeah. where it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go first. 
Yeah. That's the concept of pre. Pre means that it's before everything else. So pre-amplifier. Right. Yeah. So the pre-amplification stage means that it should come before anything else. You're plugging your source into that and then from your source into something else and, and then off it goes. Now, that being said, there are benefits or, or to having a preamp specifically based on whatever it is that you're doing. So the answer is yes. Would you benefit from having a preamp? Yes. There is no question about that. However, your benefit is relative to what preamp you kind of choose and how well it works for the sound you're going after. So it comes down to is whichever preamp you choose the appropriate tool for what you're trying to achieve. Would you agree with that? Yes. I absolutely agree with that. Okay. Yeah, now, that definitely. being said, as mentioned briefly earlier, microphones generally benefit from going into some sort of preamp, whether it is a channel strip on a console or having something a little more specialized, like, say, the GrooveTubes Vipri or the Avalon 737, something of that nature. Those are preamp designed units and they bring a microphone up to a record level most microphones don't output at that level especially condenser mics yeah. right so the specific mics require you know a need to boost the signal up to a recordable level and that yeah. is reality now as mentioned also a little bit earlier audio interfaces primarily today come with preamps built in are they great preamps well that's up for debate, and it depends on what audio interface you're using. And some of them are much more versatile than others. And the reason why I say that is, is that you have things like the Slate, and that allows you to plug in their microphones, and then you can use their plugins to alter the colorations of them. But that's not really using a preamp. The Slate preamps, they're built in such a way that they are super transparent. So in their case, their preamp doesn't necessarily add any color. That if you desire that, that's done later on right. in, in the, the post, software realm so yeah, that you get more flexibility post. that way. Yeah. And in the case of, say, the Apollo, the Apollo's preamps are designed to be quite transparent as well. But in addition to that, they have this stuff called Unison technology that allows you to purchase software versions of various channel strips and consoles, which come with preamps built into them that then color the sound specifically based on that console or that preamp that you can choose. And then you can change the way the Apollo sounds based on what your needs are and right. what you own. Other things like the Focusrite, I don't think Focusrite comes with preamp plugins. No, I, I believe it doesn't either. Now, as a sort of blanket statement here, because I, I think I know where you're, you're going with this, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say as a rule, most preamps in gear today is infinitely better than it was 20 years ago. Of course. You know? But there are, you know, if you get to a certain level or uh, let's say – budget interface perhaps, mm -hmm. their preamps are not going to be as clean and transparent and possibly even have the same kind of headroom that you would in a more expensive piece of gear. Sure. So you'd have to ask yourself, and this is something that anybody should ask themselves, that if you're looking to go down the route of 
buying external preamps for your recording medium is are they better or significantly better than the preamp that's already built into your interface? Correct. And you don't, you shouldn't necessarily assume that they are unless you're going for a specific type of sound where you can get, but then it also you have that handshake between if your converters aren't as good and blah, 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 all that kind of thing as well. So, right. But another big is point that, to that is yeah. don't assume that buying a preamp is better than the preamp in your interface. Yeah. The other thing is, is that if you're going to start working with preamps, you're now committing to a particular sound and you want to make sure that committing to that sound is the sound that you want. Yeah. And that's why so often when you see these pictures of guys with big blown out studios with tons of outboard gear is they have all that gear to give themselves choices based on the material that they happen to be recording. Now, as a person recording solo at home, only wanting to do one or two channels, getting all that kind of gear and having that many at your disposal might be overkill. Well, it's not even might be. It, rather, it is kind of overkill, <laughs> depending on your needs. But that that's, you know, what you said there at the end, depending on your needs, that's absolutely what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Is how much a variety of material are you looking to record? Right. You know, how much does that differ? If you are working with, you know, one or two singers, do you need a preempt to do that? Well, maybe. You're probably not going to, it's not going to make it worse, right? Hopefully. But, but the, hopefully, yes. But you have to look at what it is your benefits are from using that. I remember, you know, we'll talk about this unit a little bit more later, but uh, you have still, but you used to use the Avalon 737. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in your studio. And we did a bunch of sessions with that. Yes. And it was a beautiful unit and it worked for your voice. And we did actually very little processing, if I remember, actually going in. Mm -hmm. But again, there's that knowing what you're wanting out of that piece of gear with the voice that you're recording to make it beneficial. It can be very easy to sort of overcook stuff and then there's no going there's no back. Going back. <laughs> yeah. So all so things to takeaway, kind of take yeah. into to, uh, consideration. Yeah. The takeaway is don't assume that buying a preamp is going to be better than your interface for your home setup. Yeah. Depending yeah. on what your interface is. And with that being said, let's take a quick word from our sponsor. All right. So just before we went for that break, you mentioned something about a all-in-one type of solution, and it is a rack mount unit, and it is known as the 737 by Avalon, the 737SP. Mm -hmm. Well, here was a unit that obviously had preamp built in, but it also had EQ and compression. Yes. So sort of this all-in-one solution for, you know, a, a microphone input, essentially. It also sure, had you could guitar input as well. Yeah, you could do that as well should you look at doing that. But I think the primary function of that, at least for the way we worked with it, mm -hmm. was primarily on vocals or any mic'd up medium, right? That that we would do that. It can be a great solution if you if you know the old adage, right? If you know your unit, when we have those, it can be very tempting, I think, to think, well, 
I have a compressor in here. I maybe I should probably use that. Or oh, there's an EQ. I should probably use that as well. It can be very, very easy to overdo the processing on that if you don't know exactly what you're going for. Yes. There's that balance. I know we've talked about that in older episodes and things, but I think it was Eddie Kramer that said that, you know, make decisions right off the bat if you know what you're going for and that you don't put, you know, sort of kick the can of making that decision later on down the mixing stage. Undo strain. <laughs> right. If you know what you're going to do, if you know that this is what I'm going to need in my mix, you can accomplish that and you don't have to make another decision down the line. Right. But again, adding more compression that might need, that it might need, or more drastic EQ than it might need, it can be very difficult to sort of undo that. Right? Yes. But but some of those units are great. I, I love the Avalon. I thought that was awesome. But, well, it um, still is an awesome unit. It's not like it's suddenly no longer available. So. It's just no longer in my workflow because it's not sitting in the, <laughs> the same studio <laughs> where it was before. So, right. yeah, no, it, it, it is a great unit. Yeah, so, and as an example of that, and we're talking vocals and preamps and microphones and such, there was, and I think I've mentioned this recording session before on the podcast, where we were recording vocals in the studio of George Leger, mm -hmm. and I had a C12 setup going through the Avalon 737 SP, and we got a nice vocal sound for a particular track, and said, well, all right, now let's try out something else. And we started going through a Neve 1073 into a 1176 and saying the same thing through the same mic into that. And what a difference it made. And mm -hmm. in terms of the vibe of the song, it made more sense to use the Neve 1073 going through an 1176. In that case, it beat out the Avalon 737 due to what it provided color-wise. Because the Avalon is considered a very clean, relatively transparent unit, and that was the reason why it was heavily popular with things like R&B singers. Mm -hmm. It gave a very clear tone. Whereas the 1073 from Neve, going with, in conjunction, a 1176, there's a lot of coloration going on there. Yeah, so that flexibility can be a good thing depending on what it is that you need to do, of course. And if you are the type of person that you're going to have perhaps a multitude of singers coming in, recording in a multitude of styles, having those options could be, could be good. Yes. Now, if you're recording in the way that it sounds like Ignacio is recording, primarily one or two tracks at a time, it might be a good option to think of you know, software equivalences of these units as sure. opposed to getting a whole bunch of upward gear. Now, if budget is not an option, yeah, knock yourself out. It's great. One thing that he mentioned here in his question as well is what about getting like a lunchbox rack and filling that up with like 500 series yes. units? Again, lots of color to choose from. And well, the big thing about the choice of going either with a lunchbox or a rack mount unit is uh -huh. one thing is space. It's not like 500 series items that you can stick into a lunchbox are worse than their rack mount partners. They're just no. smaller versions with the same sound. <laughs> it's essentially right. all it is. So right. is it a 
one it's it's six of one half dozen of the other obviously you can put more things into the lunchbox if you want to buy multiple preamps or compressors or whatever you want to stick in there as an outboard situation it doesn't sound like he's mixing for the outboard situation so in terms of a preamp i'm going to say that he could go either direction yeah, lunchbox or rack mount version, and uh, technically a lunchbox is a rack mount version, but it's not rack mount size in terms of like rack size. They're doing the same thing. One is just more space economical than the other. Yeah, and also you know having perhaps one unit that works really really well, mm -hmm. like you said that you had with your Avalon. If we know that that's a good workhorse for us, then great. Have that if you want more flexibility down the line to maybe add to this the tapestry of color of yes. audio, 500 rack might be a good way to go. I would still just sort of caution here that know what it is that you're going for first. Mm -hmm. And again, be aware of that. You may not, may not feel like you get the benefits you want compared to the pre's that are in your interface. Don't assume that. So know that if you're making an investment into gear, that it's getting you the change that the you're sound. looking for. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, so and as you're kind of hinting at there, consider your field or style. Yeah. What may work for a rock guy may not work for a hip-hop or R&B guy or a country guy, that kind of thing, generally speaking. Now, when people mix records or mix songs in the bigger studios, a lot of the time they're using the same gear on all these different sounds. Yeah. But they're, the guys that are doing that know what they're doing and they know how to work the units for the different styles that they're mixing yeah. for. When you are talking about preamps for recording, it's a slightly different thing. And as just mentioned, what may work for the rock guy may not be right for the R&B or hip hop guy or the country guy in that the Avalon 737 was very much a unit that was big in hip hop and R&B, not so big in rock yeah, and or country. L less aggressive type of a thing, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, so that, those are other things to consider as well. Now, by the time of taping, we just had a week of checking out the Al Schmidt stuff of Mix with the Masters. And hopefully some of our <laughs> listeners did right. that because that was really, really cool and really inspiring. Since we're talking preamps here, I thought it was really interesting that Al had – obviously his favorite preamps that he liked to use. And he even had yes. a rack that he would roll into the studio where he was working right. so that he could have access to these. So he had, yeah. So he knew what he wanted and he could apply this to any situation. That, but he was a big Neve guy, right? So he liked the Neve pre's. And there were a couple of other things that he had in there as well that I like to use for, I think it was the TL Audio preamps that he'd like to use on bass, for example. Mm -hmm. There's a guy, obviously, who's super talented in, in doing what he did, but he knew his gear really, really well. So he wanted the same kind of thing. It wasn't like when he would go, okay, I'm going to do 
a jazz record and then it's going to be another big band and then it's going to be more of a soul kind of a record that he drastically changed his gear. He just, no, these are the preamps that I really like. And he stuck with us because they got him the results that he wanted. Well, so. in addition to that, he also is notorious for not really using EQ or compression. If he was <laughs> doing the tracking, it was all about what mic and where it was placed going through his refrigerator rack of preamps. Yeah. So that's a guy who knows how to keep his dynamics on par without compression. Pretty amazing stuff with what he could do. And yeah. he's a really super, well, he was a really super sweet gentleman to boot. But anyway, we're, we're digressing. We could probably talk another hour about Al Schmidt and all that so, kind of stuff. Yes. But if um, you are today primarily, we're yeah, let's, let's get back to this. If you're primarily yeah. DIing instruments, you are less likely to substantially get a better signal throwing it through a preamp. I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, the overall thing here and overall theme that we're hopefully pressing is the benefits will primarily come when you're shoving a microphone in front of something and recording that. Right. So for that, Ignacio's situation, it's primarily for the vocals that he plans on recording. Now, that being said, I did use two different preamps to run my guitar into amp sims when I was initially doing amp sims. How I've dare you? How dare me, yes. <laughs> and at this point, I don't do that anymore. However, at the time I did it, I thought it was a benefit. Was it beneficial? Not necessarily. It didn't change or color the sound in any way that improved it in terms of running into amp sims. What I had to be very careful of when I was doing it was how much signal was I feeding it? And that goes back to the whole thing about gain staging. I did use the GrooveTubes Vipri as a preamp into amp sims for a time. Yeah. I did use the Avalon 737 as a preamp for guitar going into amp sims for a time. Do I do that anymore? No, I found it unnecessary. It didn't improve the signal in such a way and all it was was adding an extra step into the chain that didn't make any noticeable difference to the guitar yeah. sound. That's an interesting point though because I think that can point to this sort of behavior that if we have a piece of gear we have to use it. Yes. And, and sort of making that assumption, hey I've got this shiny new preamp that goes back to gds <laughs> yeah exactly gear derangement syndrome that's right that's something to keep in mind so it's always and that goes the same for whether it's plugins or whatever it is right but when we have a new piece of gear that looks really really cool and if it's a hardware piece we can touch it and fiddle with its knobs and it's it feels good to do it yes it doesn't mean that it's necessarily always appropriate and i think that's Ultimately, what this kind of comes down to, buying and owning a standalone preamp, mm -hmm. either in full rack unit or or not, but we're 500 rack in a lunchbox. Is it a great thing? Yeah. But ultimately, the usage will determine how much mileage or how much benefit that you will get from that. Very well said. And to, I guess, give Ignacio a real sense of 
whether you should go rack mount or 500 series, is this. One, do you foresee yourself eventually expanding your recording capabilities to multiple types of music or additional people? And if the answer is yes, I might suggest going 500 series because you can fit more into a smaller space in doing so without breaking your bank, so to speak, for additional space. That would be my And also, you know, now he mentions right now just recording one or two tracks at a time. Yes. It could be a, a little bit of a future-proofing thing as well if he feels that down the line he wants to record drums. Mm-hmm. You know, then it could be very beneficial to have, you know, all the drum mics. Right. Or at least perhaps on kick and snare or overheads or whatever happens to be. So I can think of a qu- producer or studio owner right now that we have both worked with by the name of Robert Navarro. And mm-hmm. he had in his rack setup, a setup of 500 series APIs. Mm-hmm. He still has those, I'm sure. <laughs> and yeah. he got those lunchbox styles because he could fit them right into a rack because you can actually stick the 500 series right into a rack. So you can do both. You can have rack mounted and 500 series in the same rack if you really wanted right. to. Well, the lunchbox is still like a 19 inch thing and it's what, like a three space unit? Yeah, three I space think. unit, vertically speaking, yeah. but they go. Right horizontally across you got the vertical sizing so you can fit more in there there's a use case right there where somebody that has a studio has a rack mounted lunchbox version that he uses api gear api preamps for Mm -hmm. getting his sounds i don't disagree with it because it saves space and he didn't have a very large space to begin with in terms of robert's studio so it made sense for him to use lunchbox style preamps yeah, and just like you said before, just because they're smaller doesn't mean that they're a lesser unit. Right. It's just in a smaller package. Correct. And with that being said, why don't we move on to the Friday Finds? Yes, let's do that. What do you got for us, and Chris? I have a wonderful piece of music that I was very excited about. An album came out last Friday, as a matter of fact. It's one of my favorite bands. It's a French band called Gojira that just came out with their new album called Fortitude. And if you like your metal, go check this album out. It's a fantastic piece of music. Yes, absolutely. Horns up, people. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's a great, it's, I really, really like their last album. Mm -hmm. I was excited about this one and it did not disappoint. So even if you don't like, Metal, go listen to it because it sounds just absolutely amazing. So I'm a big fan. There you go. So there you go. What about you, Jody? What do you got for us? I'm going the Chris Hellstrom route this week. Not with an album, not with Gojira, but I am going the Nimbrini route as Nimbrini has just released a plugin emulation of the Klon Centaur. However, they call theirs the, I guess you're pronouncing it the same, Klon. Minotaur is the Nimbrini plugin, which is meant to emulate the Klon Centaur. However, it's not spelled K-L-O-N, it's C-L-O-N, and instead of Centaur, it's a Minotaur. And it's free! 
Woo. You can't beat that. You can, you can afford not to like it if you download it and dislike it. But however, it's representative of the Klon pedal. Now, while I've never played through an actual Klon as of yet in my career, I'm kind of familiar with the sound. So I downloaded it, installed it, plugged it in, and it's pretty amazing what it can do. Very cool. It does actually yeah, you add showed some me nice before girth to the sound, just like a I'm going to have to check wood. it out. Yeah. Very so nice. That's my Friday find. Yes. While we have got your attention, we would like you to go to our website and leave us a review at insidetherecordingstudio.com forward slash review. Or you can go to insidetherecordingstudio.com and sign up for our email list. You'll get a nice little present in your inbox once you do that. In addition to that, you get weekly reminders about tips that come out every Tuesday for quick little tips on recording. And we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you are feeling adventurous, send an email to goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the word preamp, and you will get something back in your inbox. Send it with a $20 PayPal thing, and you might get something cooler. If you have a topic of suggestion, much like Ignacio's suggestion for today's episode, send it to us by our contact page. And we will put it into consideration for a future episode. And with that, I'll say see you next week. See you, Jody. Thanks for the question, Ignacio. It was a good question. Bye.